Welcome back to another week of the Retro Gear Solid podcast. We are finally covering the fantastic PS1 RPG, Final Fantasy IX. I'm your host, Hampton, and once again, I am accompanied by my constant co-host, Jared. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Um, you uh, excited for the upcoming NFL season? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I'm glad. I mean... I don't think we've ever talked about this on the podcast before, but since we're from Wisconsin, obviously I'm a pretty big Packers fan. I'm glad to see that Aaron Rodgers decided to stay for another year. Last dance, baby. It is the last dance. If they don't at least win the NFC, I'll be disappointed in this season. Yeah, they would at least have to... Make, make a Super Bowl. Bowl. And a lot of people are even discussing Aaron Rodgers might say for another year if they win. Because, I mean, it's kind of weird to win a Super Bowl with a team and then leave. Oh, I mean, it's happened before, but not with a quarterback of his caliber. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll see how the season goes. I'm optimistic, but I'm not really expecting the world like I think a lot of people are. I think it yeah, might just yeah. end out like it has the past handful of years. Winning Super Bowl's hard. I don't think just because you're like, all right, I mean, one more one shot, year... the last dance, let's go. I don't, I don't think it's just going to make shit happen. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, that one year they won it all, like that defense was debatably like the best defense in the league. And then, I don't know, four championship losses. That's brutal. Yeah, I mean, defense is what ends up winning uh... – defense you know a strong running game i mean like having a quarterback that's good enough is important like you do have to make a couple of throws but um yeah i mean i don't think they've had a team good enough to win the super bowl since you know 2010 i think was the season they won it yeah, and Rodgers is definitely good enough to bring them to a championship game, but like getting over the hump takes a little extra. I mean, I know there's a lot of fans that'll disagree with me on that, that, oh, they never had a team that's good enough since. And like some people like brought up that they were good enough in 2014. I got to disagree with that. But I um, mean, the record showed. I think they were really good that season. I mean, too, they were but... a good team, but... I don't know. I mean, I don't want to revisit that game against the Seahawks. It's it's rough. (laughs) That freaking what was it? Special teams blunder. Yeah, I mean, you can't have that and expect to win a Super Bowl. Very true. Did you do anything else this week? Anything like uh, video game related? I'm pretty sure you finished this game pretty well before I did. Yeah, I finished it like a week ago. Yeah. Did you play anything else during the downtime? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I had to pump in such an absurd amount of hours to finish this game. <laughs> like, oh, anytime man. we do this opening segment for the past, like, two weeks, I've been like, dude, whenever I get free time, I'm just, like, playing a little bit of Final Fantasy IX, and that's it. I'm just trying to finish the damn game. It's so long. I mean, it's fun, don't get me wrong, but, like, oh, my gosh, the amount of time you have to punch into these RPGs is, like, pretty it's astounding. Yeah, I mean, I will say you don't really have to grind that much until disc four, but we'll get into that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just as long really as you like know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But like, if it's your first playthrough, you're gonna probably go north of a hundred hours. Yeah, I mean, and I'll be pretty blatant about it. I use a guide for almost my entire playthrough, and to be honest, I think it made it so I could enjoy it better. Because my initial attempt at playing through the game, I um just was like going off of whatever I was feeling. I, and I had no idea how the mechanics worked or anything like that. Oh, and Jesus. Yeah, I was just kind of like going for it. Like, <laughs> I never knew how RPGs worked because this is kind of one of my first ones. So, yeah, the first time I was playing it, I couldn't even get past like the first disc because I was just getting stuck and lost. And like, my characters weren't even like... That they, leveled up yet? Well, not just, not really the levels, but we'll get into the mechanics more as we dive into the game a little extra. But, like, I just was not leveling them properly to actually be useful or, like, powerful. Um, but I think playing through this game, it's given me a new, like, appreciation for RPGs. And I kind of look forward to playing another one in the future after finishing this one to be honest I just wonder how you'll find the time to play it hey man I found the time to play this one <laughs> right uh, fair enough <laughs> but yeah I mean I, I don't I think this one's a bit on the longer side too not every RPG is like a 60 hour romp although I guess you could also make the argument that this game is shorter as well because I mean, I don't think we'll really get into it too much, but the, like, nine-hour Excalibur 2 run to get, like, the best item in the game, you gotta be, like, blitzing through everything. The getting the Excalibur 2 to just throwing it with Amarant to do the 99-99. Yep. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> you killed it, but at what cost? Yeah, you almost have to be an expert to even get through that quickly so I don't really consider it like to be that short of a game <laughs> yeah people who just blitz through the game in like 9 hours like how do they do that it's a mystery to me <laughs> I mean like I said I think you just get so used to the mechanics you play through it a couple times and you look up a guide and eventually you kind of like get to it with a little bit of luck I'm sure too cause like random uh, encounters not just the random encounters but uh certain like steals and stuff like that too but i think we're getting into it a little more than <laughs> than we should we'll talk about like the stealing and stuff uh once we get deeper into it but um yeah what's your like history with rpgs and final fantasy games i got into it a little bit there uh for me personally i had played like a little bit of six and seven like maybe three hours total on each and then i played through probably like a little over half of final fantasy 12 um playing all, all three of those Final Fantasy games I never looked up a guide or anything for I just like was playing it um, especially Final Fantasy 12 all I did was like grind to gain levels like I was young and I didn't know what was going on so I just like bought what I thought was like OP in the stores and just like grinded oh, levels yeah. to try to get through and it took me like hours and hours but that's kind of why I wanted to use a guide for, for this one and like I enjoyed 
playing through it a lot more with the guide than doing what my old strategy would have been, which was just a don't know what's grind. going on. Yeah, just don't know what's going on, just grind. <laughs> so my history with Final Fantasy was um, when I was a teenager, like maybe 16 or something like that, my sister's then-boyfriend, he let me borrow one of the Final Fantasies. He had 7, 8, and 9. I picked 9 because it was the biggest number. <laughs> That's the only reason. And um, I had a blast playing this. This is the first one I played. I only played this one and 10. Those are the only two Final Fantasies I played all the way through and beat. And I and, assume that you'd probably like this one better. Yes. Yeah. I mean, 10 is a great game, but I think it's a little too linear. Yeah, I think that's how it is for a lot of people. And uh, this game in particular, a lot of people say this is also, like the last true Final Fantasy game as well, like from the old set that we got. Yeah, I think, now that I think about it, because 11's an MMO, 12 has that, like, it's not a JRPG in a traditional sense, like, you just meet your enemies, like, it doesn't do the random encounter thing. I never played 13, so... I don't know how that's like. Uh, or 15, or 14, or whatever. Well, I think it means even in terms of the... Even the games that came before it, like Final Fantasy 7 and 8, were a bit of a change in, like, scenery and stuff like that. It wasn't as much about, like, medieval, like, castles and princesses and stuff. It was more, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of other characters. I mean, this was like a return to its roots because the series was like 15 like years old at the time. And it was trying to like maybe not cater to like the people who have already played like a bunch of Final Fantasies before. Like they wanted a new audience. But I'm trying to, maybe that's what they had in mind. Yeah, but I I'm think that this, sure. uh, from what I understood, Final Fantasy IX was supposed to be more of like a, a send off for the old way of Final Fantasy games. They kind of marketed it in a way where it's like this is going to be the last like, fantasy, medieval, whatever you want to call it, kind of themed, and they're going to be like moving on and doing you know, more of the Final Fantasy seven VII and eight stuff because, both of those games are extremely successful and they were. A pretty far departure from the themes of like the previous games that they had seen before so this was like one last send-off for you know that kind of style of game and I think there's like a lot of references in the game if you had played the previous ones to the old games too just kind of for some nostalgia some like fanfare for longtime fans of the series Yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, Vavy, like, he looks exactly like the Black Mage in the first game, so. And there's, yeah, like, right. probably some other stuff that, like, I miss, because, like, you know, I haven't really played the older ones. Exactly, yeah, there's, like, not just Vivi, there's a ton of stuff in the game, so it's, like, it's just like you said, if, if you had played any of those previous games, you'd be playing through Final Fantasy IX, and it would be, like, you know, a total nostalgia trip for those kinds of players, but... I think it was also, to me, I found Final Fantasy IX way more approachable than even Seven was, and I know that sounds weird because Seven was a gateway RPG for like a lot of fans cool. of the genre, but that one just didn't click with me as much, and I think 
maybe had something to do with like the battle mechanics and stuff being a little different and I don't know I've always been a little bit more into the medieval themes than what Final Fantasy 7 was giving you if you know what I mean so I think that's kind of why Final Fantasy 9 drew me in initially on top of your recommendation because I think that you were the one that told me to pick up and play this game initially like way back in the day yeah I think I was blown away by this game when I first played it and when I played it, it was like already like a like a twelve year old game, but I thought it was like the best thing ever when I first like played it. And um, I do think like a lot of the gameplay, the graphics, and everything like hold up relatively well. Like like for a PS one game, it's like probably one of the best looking PS one games, if you ask me. Yeah, to me, the graphics are almost, like, timeless. Like, I think you could almost pick up and play this game at any time. It's it's very akin to some of the really good Super Nintendo games. It, like, doesn't matter what era you're going to go and pick up and play, like, Super Mario World. Like, the graphics are just appealing. And that's kind of how I feel about Final Fantasy IX. It's, like, after, you know, so many games that they had released on the PlayStation 1, this game came out in, like, 99 or 2000, which was pretty late. I think it the- was 2000. Yeah, I think you're probably right on that one. So they had all this experience under their belt, and it seems like they finally got the graphics on point in this game with everything, the character models. Um, And on every different scene in the game, they just look fantastic, and, like, the overworld looks really good. And obviously the, I don't know if you want to call them paintings, um, that are used for the I'm a sucker for good pre-renders, and I think Final Fantasy IX is some of the best pre-renders on the system. Yeah, so, like, they had the pre-rendering basically perfect in this game, and they looked amazing. Better than any of the previous Final Fantasies, or any of the previous Squaresoft games on the console, even. I mean, the character models are at their peak. It's just, it almost feels like the PlayStation 1's being, like, pushed to its limits. It's, like, probably the best-looking game overall on the entire console, in my opinion. Maybe that's a stretch for some people, but... I can't really think of anything else that would, like, top it. Yeah, I think that's another reason why I was drawn to it more than Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII's graphics have aged really badly, and from I've never really played eight, but from what I understand, with eight is you know the models are really small. They were trying to get rid of like the dumbbell arms and stuff, but apparently oh, they went yeah. like, too far in that direction. So Final Fantasy IX to me does like a good in between because you know a lot of the characters have like it's almost like they have big head mode on or something like that like the proportions definitely aren't like correct like they it's are like, in uh, Final Fantasy 8 but it's like an anime if you think about it or a cartoon yeah but I think that just suits the PlayStation 1's capabilities way better than what they had like Final Fantasy 7 was going too far in one direction and Final Fantasy 8 was going too far in the other direction and then like Final Fantasy 9 finally found a happy medium between the two and it just looks it looks amazing. It was awesome art direction. Uh yeah, I can't really cuz I haven't really played 7 or 8, so I don't really like like I mean I saw like pictures of like um like how the graphics were, but I haven't actually played it. And I know people kind of meme on like, you know, the character like models in 7 like the original game, about how, like, derpy they look. 
the whole dumbbell arms and thing. Yeah, Man, that's probably um, the part that's aged the worst about that game in particular. And I'm sure, like, since this was, like, the first time they were, like, trying... I guess, like, maybe the pre-renders don't look as good, but I'm not too sure. I haven't really seen it, so... I would say that they're not quite as clean as they are in Final Fantasy IX. They're still really, really, really good, but... I, like I said, I think they were just in full stride by the time this game came out, and it's, like, as close to perfect as it could possibly be. But the creator suppose, himself said this was the best one. There you the go. <laughs> Japanese guy, or I don't remember his name, but... I forget who created this one. They do have a lot of different writers, but I think that the original set of writers for the first handful of Final Fantasy games, including Final Fantasy VI, I think that this was their last hoorah from what I remember reading about. Is This was kind of the one where they were like, hey, this is the last one that we're all going to like work together on this one. And then I think they, you know, some of them left Squaresoft and then some of them went to work on other projects as well that weren't Final Fantasy related. So they kind of let Final Fantasy be taken over by a different team. So I think that's why it's such a nostalgic game as well as the longtime creators of the Final Fantasy series up to that point. Um, this was basically like, I don't know what you would call it, but the very last game. The last dance, just like Aaron The Rogers. last dance. That would explain like the dramatic departure after the series, after nine. Like, you know, 10 is like extremely linear, you know, 11's an MMO, 12, like, it isn't, uh, you don't have random encounters and stuff. Yeah, it's a drastic change in, in style, like, completely, almost. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I suppose probably after that we could move on to a little bit of, like, the very beginning of the game, talking about more of the storyline aspects of it um i really really love the opening sequence uh on subsequent playthroughs it kind of drags a little bit but i think you could say that about most of the final fantasy games is the opening bit is a little long and kind of drags out um it's kind of like that in final fantasy 7 too because i remember playing through the opening bit and you got to do like a timed segment and like a bunch of stuff um I just really uh, liked like all the characters that they introduce you with at the very beginning of the game. I really start as Vivi, right? If I recall correctly. No, you do start as Zidane before you get to control Vivi. So you're oh, Zidane no, for a little wrong. bit. Yeah. yeah, and they're kind of setting up the play. You fight your boss. He puts like a dragon head on for a little bit. I forget exactly what his name is. No, uh, I think it's Baku. Yes, yep, you're right. Um, and actually, <laughs> this is, like, where I had, like, initially kind of messed up on my playthrough was I d hadn't looked up the guide yet at this part because I didn't think that you would need a walkthrough at the very beginning of the game, but, you know, there's yes. always secrets. Yes, shit to steal, right? Yeah, so he has a really good item called Mage Masher, at least for early on it's not going to be good for forever obviously like any item but it teaches you a pretty good move early um i th i think it might be beast killer that it teaches you which if you don't know what beast killer does it um lets you do like additional percentage damage to uh beast type enemies yeah um which is pretty nice 
um, at all times through the game. There's plenty of different, like, beast enemies. Uh, so getting the Mage Master, like, as soon as possible is pretty important. I had, like, missed it, and then I wasn't able to pick up the Mage Master until, I think, you get to, like, Lindblum the first time, which you already go through, like, a decent grind. Like, you probably gain five to six levels, and who knows how much AP by the time you get to Lindblom, so I had to like take extra time to learn Beast Killer with like a totally different set of items and weapons, so I think that the way that it's set up like that <laughs> with the ceiling mechanic that uh, doesn't it doesn't really hold your hand, like it has like those Moogles in the swamp they like tell you like they're basically like a field manual on how to play the game but I always skip through that part. I'm not like going through all that, but obviously you're gonna miss something important. Yeah, right. Exactly. They like don't. You have to teach yourself how to play the game, and it's uh, it can be brutal if you don't know. Yeah, like missing out on little things like that, like really hurts. I mean, it definitely is nice for subsequent playthroughs because once you know that that's a mechanic like you try to play the game through again and you're like hey i'm gonna try to steal from him in that opening battle and just see what he has and then it ends up being a pretty good item which is like a cool you know thing on your second playthrough but the initial playthrough is just like really brutal if you don't know what you're doing <laughs> which is like i said why i had used a guide earlier but i just kind of wanted to touch on on that steal in the early part of the game um, and just like stealing in general, I feel like it's a really, really important part of the game. Every single boss battle, to me, kind of boils down to, okay, you're in the battle, get the enemy to low health, and just have like you, the rest of your party healing each other and keeping each other alive while Zidane sits and steals for like 20 minutes straight until you get the item that you're trying to roll the dice on, and then finally you kill it and move on. Which uh, I do not have the patience for that. I like if I don't get if I don't get anything interesting on my first two few tries, I'm just like, yeah, fuck it, you're going down. Yeah, with the walkthrough, I like knew what items I could get, and there were some times where I just thought it wasn't worth it if the rarity was too high or if I didn't think the item was worth the time. But there's like some instances where I'm like, man, I I really need to get this. Like you can get a um. You can get a, I believe, like a Fyra or a Thund, uh, like a Thundara staff for Vivi, like really early on from one of the boss battles, like well before you can get it um, from a shop or anything else. And it's like, well, okay, I'm going to sit and grind for it. You know what I mean? I guess I'm just going to sit and steal for like 30 straight minutes until I get it. I don't know what else to do. Yeah, that's like, like, that's like something I'm not like going to waste my time on. Yeah, to me, it's just, like, a more annoying mechanic. I I get that... To me, like, sitting and just keeping my guys healed up and stealing isn't really engaging. Like, I like the battle system, but when every boss battle isn't really me trying to actually fight the boss, it's me trying to stay alive while I get the best deal I can get possible, is, like, I guess not what I expected <laughs> when I started playing the game. You know what I mean? It's just, uh... It takes a little bit away for, from the game for me when that's what I had to do with almost every boss battle. But yeah, I mean, I had like mug on for the entire game, and I'd like, I'd like steal it, get something not interesting, and then accidentally kill what I'm stealing from. I'm like, oh, 
whatever. <laughs> yeah, and there's like a really important item that you need to get at a certain point in the game too. I'm forget. I I guess we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but um, getting Bandit for I think it's called Bandit for Zidane is like super crucial because I believe Bandit increases your chance at stealing by a pretty substantial amount. So I don't remember if I got it my last run. Yeah, without it, it's like almost impossible to get some of the steals. Like you almost need to get the item as soon as possible and get him to learn bandit as quickly as you can. But like I said, I think we're getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves. <laughs> um I just kinda wanna gloss over that because it's like even early on in the game you get like punished for not knowing like what is seemingly a simple and like a whatever mechanic when it ends up being like extremely important in all reality. Um, yeah. So like after that with Zidane and stuff, I just really liked the whole opening sequence with the, the whole theater. Like the, the premise is really like just fun to me. It reminds me of almost like an eighties, like kids movie or something with the way it's all set up. It's like, Oh yeah, we'll put on like, a play and will like trick the queen into stealing the princess and all this stuff i don't I don't know like the kind of vibe you got from it there but it just it's very like lighthearted and it doesn't really feel like a legitimate kidnapping you know what i mean they just seem like a a fun group of bandits or something that aren't you know what i mean it's not malicious um yeah i mean after all the because like seven and i think eight like it's like all the angsty edgelord stuff like this is uh more laid back and doesn't take itself too seriously so it was a nice change of pace i guess yeah i mean all the characters in the opening bit are like really goofy all the crew members are like kind of funny and like just laid back in general it's it's a very different vibe just like you said from from the previous games where a lot of it's like dark and gloomy like the whole game is very uplifting and bright like even during some of its you know craziest moments like i never was necessarily like i mean there's sad moments in the game obviously but i never really felt like the heroes weren't gonna like come out on top at the end of it or something you know what i mean yeah the good guys always win um yeah the story got really good for me like after you know the first disc but we can get into it later i mean the first disc still has like i still think it's like a good you know setup for like the premise and stuff um it does take a while for it to cook up though i think yeah it's a lot more laid back in the opening half for sure um but yeah outside of like the play uh you do get to control vivi in the first little bit and like for me right off the bat i just thought he was like the most charming character in the game like he's just so um innocent throughout the entire thing and like you just can't help but feel kind of bad for him like he just needs um, a little helping hand. Like, I felt so terrible when he went to go turn in the ticket at the very beginning and the ticket uh, master, whatever you want to call him. Like, told him to fuck up. <laughs> basically. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my god, I felt so bad for um, him. 
Yeah, his... Like, his early character arc is, like... Basically, like, a small child. Not... And he obviously... And he doesn't, like, know who he is yet. And, um... He basically tags along with, you know, all these guys, like, doing bigger and things. But, uh... Yeah. He's Did one he... of the characters I kind of neglected, though, when I was playing through. Really? That's kind of interesting. He grows up a lot as the game continues on, which is, like, really fun to see. But, yeah, the... After you kind of control video for a little bit, you actually get to do the theater scene and it's like entertaining for what it is but i just had to bring up like probably another one of my least favorite parts about this opening act even though overall i really love the whole thing it's like the sword fight where you have to have the timed button presses and i had heard that this is easier on a pc because it's a mobile port so it gives you a little more time to be able to get the 100 out of 100 crowd favor and the um I forget what it is, like Queen Brain. Was impressed. Yeah, being impressed as well. Um, uh, I think I didn't... I don't remember having too much trouble with it when I played it on the PS1, but you could be right. I don't remember exactly it is what item you get. You might get like a Moonstone or something like that, which is like a crazy rare item because there's only a handful of them in the game, and this is like one of the only opportunities to get a Moonstone. Yeah, I don't remember... I mean, you use, like, all the moonstones for, like, all those, like, uh, friendly encounters, right? Like, in the woods and stuff? No, the friendly encounters use ore. A moonstone, like, teaches you certain items. I'm actually going to look right now just to check to see what it is exactly that you get. But... I'm pretty sure that you get, like, something pretty... Like, re a really good item. Yeah, it is a moonstone, actually. Yeah, so there's only a couple of those in the game, and Moonstone is used for a couple of good things. I don't... Yeah, that part of the game I am not too familiar with. It's one of those things where, uh... Yeah, I don't... I never played with a guide, so I'm not... Like, I got the Moonstone, I ended up never using it. Right. Because I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I clicked on it to see exactly what it teaches you, but I'm not really finding it exactly. Maybe I'll control F it really quick. Um, the story. I mean, after the sword scene, you kidnap her, I guess, and I don't remember what happens after that. Like, you go to the woods, like, outside the city. Yeah, you do. So, uh, just to briefly interrupt you quick. So, it looks like Moonstone teaches uh, some people Beast Killer. Oh, which is, like, earlier on than what you should learn it. Um, yeah. And then it, certain characters can cast Shell, which is a pretty good spell. And then... Looks I don't like remember ever using Shell. Like, I used Might a lot for, like, all the white spells. Right. And then, um, looks like it teaches something else, too, that I'm kind of, like, missing. Summons Carbuncle, which buffs your party based upon Ico's equipped add-on. Oh, I see. So, if you have Moonstone as an add-on with Ico, depending on what I he summons, do it does think extra I got stuff. Carbuncle and then used it once, didn't realize 
like how to use it and then i like never use it again yeah right right yeah so i guess if you have the moonstone with it it does like extra stuff which is nice i think it, it gives shell and it looks like also protect it maybe or maybe it's rng on which one you get regardless see it's like there's like a bunch of micro mechanics in this game that i'm not super privy to but all you need to know is that moonstone is a, apparently a pretty rare item and it can teach some of your party members beast killer pretty early like artificially much earlier than what you would have them normally have it taught to them which can be helpful but regardless i didn't get it <laughs> i literally probably tried to do that sword fight for 15 minutes i i did it 10 to i did like 10 or 20 times in a row because each time you do it it's like almost a minute long i feel like or maybe two minutes even and i failed it every time i did read on emulators that sometimes there's a little bit of like an input lag so maybe that was like why i wasn't able to do it but yeah i heard on the pc port it's a lot easier so <laughs> maybe next time i'll just play it on pc so i can actually get it done I right i do think like it took me a few tries but i do think i remember getting a 100 on it yeah i do remember way on back the PS1 in the day version. i think you did it mm-hmm I, no, you know what? Actually, I think it was when we were playing through it together, like a long, long time ago. You got it on the first try. But then I don't even think I that we do not remember picked up playing the item. With you. We played a little bit of it together. We didn't get very far, but I think you did it for me, and then I didn't even pick up the item from Queen Brain because I didn't know that's how you picked it up. You, you're supposed to talk to like Queen Brain with Steiner after yeah, it, and yeah. you get it. <laughs> I didn't even know that. So I forgot you... about that part of the game. Like you play Steiner for a while and. His Knights of the Round Table are, uh, not so, uh... Yeah, they're not the brightest. No. Steiner, to me, is, like, just a really charming character as well. I mean, everybody in the game is, like, relatively, like, lighthearted and nice and just charming in general, but Steiner, um... He's good comic relief, I guess. Yeah, he's, like, good comic relief. He ends up kind of being the butt of everybody's jokes, especially earlier on in the game. Um... But as the game progresses on too, and maybe this is getting a little further ahead, I just kind of like the way his character develops into, um, you know, he starts like questioning like his like the morality. Queen. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not just the queen, but just like the loyalty and stuff. Yeah. Like whether it's the right thing to do, like to just blindly be so loyal, um, like he had always been. So he kind of gets some interesting character development too, but, uh, um, go ahead. Yeah, Steiner, uh, I remember, like, I'd play with him, but, like, I never, I rarely used Vivi, so I could never use the Sword Blacks, because you need both of them together in the party to have him use Black Magic, and, uh, yeah, it was rough for me to kind of, like, revisit it, because I still don't know how to, like, really fully utilize, um, Vivi, even though I like his character arc so much. Cause like when I'm playing through it, I use like Zayden because you have to. I use Steiner. I use Iko as a white mage. And then I use Freya mostly. Like I don't know how to use like all the other characters. Yeah, I think a lot of it is the item pickups that you miss because a lot of Vivi stuff you can purchase much later on in the game at stores. There's but... like synthesis too, but I never realized how to get that. It's like, oh, you can get these cool items, but you need these items, and I don't have them. 
Yeah, well, it's, it's a process just to, like, every time you go to, like, a new place, like a shop or anything like that, it's, like, you just got to buy, like, anything that you haven't seen before or haven't picked up already so that later on you can use them to, like, synth. Like, like I said, the guide teaches me which items I need to buy and which items I need to steal for me, which is nice. But I could see where if you, especially Vivi, because I was kind of talking about earlier how you can get, I think, Fyra pretty early. I think it is Fyra now that I'm thinking a little harder about it. You can get it pretty early, but without stealing it, you wouldn't even be able to buy that staff until basically the end of the first disc or something like that. So you have to, like... The time frame that you can steal it is not even halfway through the first disc, where by the time you could actually purchase it otherwise is another five hours or something like that, five to six hours of gameplay afterwards, so... I will say, though, something like Fire, it's like something I can live without. So it's like not something that I'm going to like put in the effort and do to like, oh my god, I need this item so badly. I need it. Yeah, it's just a random example. Honestly, all of Vivi's items, not even just the one that teaches Fyra, end up being stuff that needs to be stolen pretty early on. Otherwise, by the time you can buy it, there's not even really a point in buying it for them and putting them in the party because a lot of other people are probably going to be a lot more powerful than he is already. So he kind of gets power crept if you don't keep up with it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I definitely had some people who were like, level 50 and others were like 27 at the end of it <laughs> yeah i mean that's just that's just kind of how it goes you know <laughs> but yeah i suppose moving on from the opening bit obviously they kind of get caught catching queen or uh, princess garnet and they crash in the i i don't remember what the force is called exactly i'm I've just the lost woods something like that i don't remember actually you know what i have this page opened up i should just Look at the they page. never let you go back to the woods. No, not once. Yeah, you just go there and never go there again. Escaping the mist. Well, that's what this section is called, but I want to know what the area is called. It's like the something woods. I just kept been calling it the evil woods, but I think you're right that it's got a different name to it. I'm, I'm just trying to remember what it is exactly. Regardless, I, I really like being dropped off in that area after the pretty how do i say it like the opening bit is a little chaotic like there's a lot of stuff going on and it's really entertaining but it's kind of nice to be able to go through that opening bit and then wind down because once you crash land it's pretty calming it, it does feel like there's something looming around because it's like really dark and the colors the are all too yeah, but and you can like hear crickets and stuff outside. Like you, you know what I mean. It, it's it's really calming and it gives you a moment to just look at your items, check out your party, think about you know how you're gonna get through the rest of the game. Try to figure out the mechanics a little bit before you start actually fighting and stuff like that. It's just a really great way to introduce yeah. you into the game. And, like, story-wise, like, obviously, like, you and your party are all, like, not even on, like, the same page. Like, obviously, like, the game is from mostly Zidane's point of view. And then you have, like, the princess who, like, you just met. You have Steiner who, like, hates your guts. And then, like, Vivi who's just, like, tagging along. And, like, how they interact with each other. Like, Steiner, like, 
takes a liking to VV, but he obviously doesn't like Zidane. Never ends up really liking Zidane, but... <laughs> but yeah, I just... I think the whole dynamic with all the characters is really interesting, too. I like the whole crew and how it feels like a, like a real family, almost, for Zidane, and yet he still kind of makes the choice to end up leaving the crew as well. I think that was, like... Yeah, just yeah. interesting little bit of of storytelling there too and this is kind of where you get into your first like boss battle even though it's super super simple but yeah i just think it does a really good job teaching you the game's mechanics and like how the battle system works and and everything else and that's when you meet your first moogle too to save the game i believe no actually i think you meet a moogle with vivi yeah in the land dude the, is that what you have to do the jump rope in I don't remember, but the jump rope being like, yeah, I'm not doing this. It's like, for Steam, I think it's like a thousand to get the achievement. I'm like, there's no way I'm sitting here and doing a thousand to do the achievement. Really, it must just be for an achievement because when I was doing the walkthrough, it doesn't even give it to me as like a option to do. So it must just be for fun because I don't think you get any item or anything special for doing that. That gives me PTSD to this day, man. I don't even know why you would do it. You don't even get anything from it outside of an achievement. <laughs> I, it's a Steam achievement. Come on. I guess you got to collect them, man. You know. <laughs> so, I mean, after you leave the woods, you go into the frozen cavern or whatever, and the boss fight, it's like one of those like jump checks. Like You have to do it with Zidane only. Yeah, it is a little bit. I mean, it's I think it's crazy. It's like one of those curveballs that they like throw at you, and I'm like not ready for. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. When I first played the game, I had to like replay like 20 minutes. I'm like, god damn it. Yeah. Once you get out of the evil forest and escape the mist, and Blank gets petrified temporarily before he gets unpetrified later on, um, the cavern's kind of your first real dungeon, if you will, because. The way Final Fantasy IX especially set up is it seems like there's a lot of open, explorable areas and towns, and then you get to a real section, it's built more like a dungeon that you need to get through. So the Ice Cavern is yeah. kind of like your first dungeon. And for the most part, I do think it's set up relatively well, but this is where I start to get irritated with the random encounters. I just think that they have not aged very well, especially in a game that seems like it really wants you to explore like use all of your time extra time to explore around and enjoy the area try to find some hidden treasures and things like that when yeah i take five steps to go try to check out something over in the corner and then it sends me a random battle and then i have to wait for the whole sequence and the fight and then it's over and then two minutes have passed and then i go and find or go and look in the corner and it might have been nothing and then I'm like okay let's go to the next corner and then another battle or maybe even two battles and another five minutes passes and there's nothing in that corner either and I think that's why I had a hard time getting through the game the first time through and that's why the walkthrough really helped was that I just couldn't muster the energy to waste so much time exploring around trying to figure out the puzzles to get a bunch of the secret items on my own because the random battles were just so annoying 
and I didn't want to be making the wrong choice and like making mistakes and not like knowing how to get them and just wasting a bunch of time and being forced to do random battles. So it's almost anti exploratory to have the random battles happen the way that they do. It's it's just really frustrating to me. I don't know how you felt about it. Um, I mean, I think there's something in the settings where you can speed it up, but yeah, it's really annoying. I didn't I think that's one part of the game that obviously didn't age well as well. I mean there's that I mean in the battle like you have these long summoning cutscenes that like just eat up so much time. Yeah, that's much more of a problem later on in the game than in the beginning with the ice caverns, but I think even extremely early on with the ice caverns you already are running into the issue. I did emulate the game, so I'll be like pretty blatant here. Every time I got into a battle, I turned on the like frame skip so that it would fast forward like through the fight so I could get through them quicker because really the all you're doing version, is there's something where you can like just speed it up because I think like at that point they kind of realized where like it's going a little too slow I don't think that that is necessarily the game's fault I think it's the hardware That's the PlayStation 1 has a it's really load times. yeah it, it takes a very long time to load on the PlayStation 1 so every single battle has to do its like entire entrance sequence before you can even get a hold of your characters and then the battle system is an active time battle so then you also have to wait for your meters to even go up to be able to attack so that's even more time wasted so the whole thing kind of drags which is probably the part that's age of the worst about the game as enjoyable as the battle system is the random encounters make the game last much longer than it feels like it should yeah um that's probably like a good chunk of like the playtime to be honest like just all the random encounters you don't want to go in yeah in a way i would say it's not always so bad but yeah in a lot of areas it's pretty bad like even using a guide for me there was a lot of times where i would accidentally skip over an item or i didn't understand the directions that the guide was giving me so i was like diddling around trying to figure out exactly what the guide was trying to tell me and i'd run into like three different battles during that time and it's like man i'm just trying to pick up an elixir like sometimes i i honestly was getting so annoyed that i would just anytime the guide would tell me where a, a potion or an elixir was because you could just buy them at the store and i'll talk about it a little bit later but there's like a money exploit so that you can be rich and have more money than you will ever need to complete the game i was like screw the elixirs and the potions i just want the good stuff i'm just skipping them i don't want to waste my time anymore with collecting that garbage um i don't remember ever running into a, a money problem where like i couldn't buy something because i didn't have enough money and i wasn't even like really grinding through the game so, yes so i mean, I mean if on the money topic i suppose kill. immediately after actually we'll talk about the boss battle in the ice caverns because you had brought that up and I was kind of glossing over it to talk um, up to that point but yeah so the Some boss the battle in the ice caverns black is mages. I can't remember what they're called but there's like one two and three and you place the first one there I think it's called the black waltz or something like that yeah yeah but yeah it's not actually that hard of a battle but you just need to know what you're doing going into it which is 
I think what you could say about a lot of the situations in Final Fantasy IX is if you know what you're doing, it's really not so bad. But obviously in your first playthrough, a lot of people aren't going to know what they're doing because you can't target... I believe you have to target Black Waltz and not the monster because if you target the monster, the Black Waltz is just going to perma-heal it and you'll never be able to kill it. So you have to kill the Black Waltz first. And I think for some people that can catch you off guard the first time you're fighting it and like you said you're just a Dane on his own and you're pretty under leveled at this point and if you didn't if you were like me and you didn't get the mage masher early you're also at a disadvantage because your dagger kind of sucks compared to what the mage masher is so that's another part as well where missing items early on from steals really sucks and then this boss battle as well has a couple pretty crucial steals for Steiner and I believe Vivi as well you can get a pretty early um you can i think you can get a pretty early like set of robes or something like that that'll teach him another kind of move whether it's like ice or blizzard or whatever but yeah is that for a black um magic one i don't remember cuz i don't remember like stealing from him i think it's just like cotton robes or whatever the basic robes are that you can give to vivi cuz it isn't oh. just weapons that teach moves that you also can learn moves from the stuff you wear too so I think it's a wearable item for Vivi that teaches him a new spell or ability but yeah so once again it's another fight where early on it's pretty crucial to grab because I believe also when you steal one of the items from him I think you can steal a broadsword if I'm not mistaken for Steiner and it's like a really early broadsword for Steiner because I don't think at the next place you can buy a broadsword for him and I think broadsword teaches him beast killer and beast like early on beast killer is like one of the most crucial things that you want to teach all your party members which is why I've been harping on the beast killer so much is you just want all your party members to learn beast killer at the very beginning of the game because it's just useful and it keeps you from having to learn it later on because the items that teach beast killer are very all, they generally good. suck yeah yeah so yeah, that's another instance where stealing really helped me, again, knowing that I needed to steal these items to learn these crucial abilities for my characters earlier on helps a lot. It gets, I think, less important the further you get, but especially early on, if you're not going out of your way to do all the steals, it hurts you a lot in the long run. But, yeah, do you have yeah, anything to comment on Yeah, if you're not doing those, that? like, grinds and, like, finishing, like, the AP things, like, you're just gonna not have like abilities like you just have like all the attack like all the spells that you need and my playthrough i like realized it like when i got to disc four i'm like wait i have like very few things that i can actually do it's kind of crazy like the game like it's really one of those grinders yeah i guess um, i was curious to know I guess on that note, since we're talking more about AP and stuff, did you think that that was a good system? Because... Um, yeah, if you have the patience for it. I think it's a great system. For me, I didn't like it as much as some of the other games that I've been hearing about, and I haven't played them, so this is just going off like hearsay. But to me, the game, it's more like pigeonholed because it seems to me that all the characters only can have a certain set of items that they can use to fight with and wear. I'm almost positive every character even 
has a specific weapon that they can use. I think Steiner is the only one where his weapon can go to a couple different characters, but as far as I know, Zidane's daggers are exclusive to him, Freya's lancer is exclusive to her. Yeah, yeah. And etc. I believe I mean, there's a flute I think as well. Garnet, for... Ico share like staves. No, I think that Ico uses flutes or something like that. I don't think that she... I think she can use some of Garnet's staves. Not all of them, though. I know that. I mean, the clothes, like, it's like everyone but uh, Steiner and Freya, like, they don't wear armor. Yeah, right. So there's, like, some things that are interchangeable, but even the interchangeable items don't teach the same moves to the to the same interchangeable people, yeah. characters. Yeah. So for one person, a certain item might be really crucial, and then another person, it might not mean anything, even though it kind of gives the same stats overall. So... To me, it gets a little, like, clusterfucky. where at all times in the game, for the most part, all I was doing was just putting on different items on characters that had abilities that needed to be learned. I was never loading... Like, to me, they were trying to make it so that you were thinking about your loadout. You're like, okay, here's the trade-off. You could either have your best in-slot item, or you could learn an ability after gaining so much AP by using this weaker item. And 90% of the time... I was never using the best in slot because I never really needed to. And I was always just trying to learn the next ability because the abilities are all quite strong and useful. And it's pretty crucial that you learn a wide variety of abilities so that you can be ready for a wide variety of enemies and situations. So yeah, for me, I guess I just didn't like it that much. It is a different take on it, but if you don't understand the system going into it, like I didn't the first time I was playing it, I was always just putting on my best in slot items when I was going in blind, not knowing that actually I was just gimping all my characters from learning some of the most crucial abilities that they need to learn just to even get through a majority of the game. Yeah, you just really make it harder on yourself. And it's like, if you don't understand, it's like you skipped class when you were, like, the Moogles were like, yeah, we're going to teach you everything. Oh, I really don't want to learn about this. Well, too bad. You're going to have a really rough time with the game then. And I'm like, oh. Guess it's my fault. Yeah, right. And I think that, that was just what I was having a hard time with was that the game doesn't really Hold tell you anything hand. without... Yeah, I mean, it is nice on like subsequent playthroughs when I can just get in and do my stuff and play the game and know what I'm doing. But, you know, even when I was learning abilities, I was having to look up just stuff on google about what an ability even does because i'm not very familiar with the final fantasy universe and um, all stuff i wasn't you like press select and it tells you well thanks for telling me afterwards i never knew that <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you press select there's like a google and you'll like say oh haste yeah that like speeds up your atp or whatever the fuck it's called yeah, some of them were pretty self-explanatory, but... And when I was, like, going through the game early on, I was, or, like, when I first played through it, I'm like, wait, what's, like, you know, uh, I, I don't really remember, like, the spells and stuff, but, um, yeah, I'd tell you, and it helped me a lot, and I'm like, oh. Like, with Freya's, like, with Freya's, like, dragon spells, like, it has like a name like Reese Wind or Dragon whatever, and I'm like, wait, what does this even do? Right. Yeah. The like way with the I... white mages and the black mages, it's a little more self-explanatory right. from like the name of it, but like, 
yeah, with like Freya in particular, I'm like, what's a, uh, I don't even know like half her spells names. Like, well, even Zidane's got some it. weird ones. He's got like Thief and stuff, which actually do damage. You know, yeah. like Thief makes me think I'm stealing something, but from what I could gather, I think maybe you get like Gil from it, from using it or something like that at the end of the battle. But it doesn't really do anything else outside of a little bit of damage and getting a little bit extra gill. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really confusing for first-time players, but it's it's one of those games where um, it's a lot of time to invest into, but it's always something that, like, I can honestly see you playing this, like, further down the road, like, another playthrough of it. Oh, yeah, I almost want it's, like, it because... That good. I was playing on an emulator. Like, I'm actually thinking about, like, replaying through this, because I actually want to do it again. No, same <laughs> here, actually. I, I did it on an emulator, and I was like, I kind of want to just do this on my PlayStation now. Like, I don't want to emulate it. I want to play it with the actual discs, and I actually know what I'm doing this time around. Just, I don't know, I just have really wanted to play through the game again, because, well, I, we were ba I was bagging on the system, but just knowing how the system works on your next playthrough, I think helps a lot because you're like man how much stronger could i have been at this point in the game if i would have just done you know everything the correct way if that makes yeah, sense yeah so you come up with like new strategies and i and like plans to get through the game um which like i said it just adds to the replayability and i think that's why people like this game so much in particular is just the replayability of it i think that's why For people like Final fantasy games in general but for a game that like needs as much time investment as this, it's really amazing that it has that. Like I actually want to play it again, even though it's like tens, if not hundreds of hours. I think that's a sign of a good game. Like a great one. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess moving on from some of the more in-game mechanics, I guess the last thing I'll say about it is it seems to me like if you leveling up doesn't really feel like there's any purpose to me you really just go into battles to gain ap Levels i mean almost... leveling up um it gives you more hp mp like more base yeah it gives stats, you a little like more attack stat. defense right but um obviously like, you're like holding the same item so you're not gonna like hit harder unless you like get a better item um or get better abilities which hit harder yeah yeah I mean leveling I mean leveling up I do think is important cuz um not having enough hit points to like withstand like a boss's attack or whatever is like like getting one shot it's like the worst thing I was like oh I guess I haven't like leveled up enough I got to like go back and grind some more Hey man there is an ability that's HP plus 20% so I mean yeah I <laughs> I like had that on like I didn't even, like, try using, like, the AP ability scene, and I, like, just randomly had that on, like, several of my characters, and I, like, turned them on on all of them. Oh, yeah. You almost have to. <laughs> almost. I feel like, depending on the boss, you can use different strategies, but... Yeah, I guess kind of moving on from that, the next town after you get out of the forest is Lindblum. Uh, no, it's not. Actually, it's Delhi. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to say Lindblum. I meant to say Dolly. Yes. Dolly You're is... Correct. This is when Vivi's character arc starts to get good. Yes, very much so. I mean... She gets kidnapped, 
because they think he's one of those um, Black Waltz thingies. And um, then he sees them all getting like mass produced in a factory, and then he like starts to question like, "What am I?" And I'm like, "Oh, this is an existential crisis. So, child really shouldn't be going through." Yeah, it just really makes you feel for his character. I mean, it was just like I had said at the beginning; he's so innocent, and to see him broken. Yeah, it just you know the impact hits a lot harder than if it would have been a different character for example it's just because he's so pure that you just don't want to ever see anything bad happen to him or have those kinds of experiences another thing about Lindblom is I never really liked the townspeople you go in there and they're like immediately mean to Vivi but you kind of understand why later on obviously sorry I keep saying Lindblom yeah the people of Dally are so like mean to him the kids pick on him and stuff Dude, they're and, like, it's like a racist small town. <laughs> yeah, but then you start to understand why, because they're all manufactured by the people who live in that town for the queen, essentially, which gets revealed a little bit later on. But yeah, so... Yeah, I actually like, like, the small, like, town atmosphere of Dowie. Like, I think it's, like, nice and cozy and stuff. Yeah, it is very much so... But the people there are just a little sketched. Like, the mayor's kind of an ass. The guy in the inn, even, is fake sleeping at one point because he knows Vivi got stolen and he doesn't want you to talk to him or suspect him. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're, they're, it's a small town, but they're all a little scummy. It feels homey, but the people there, I, I have a little animosity towards them because of the way they treated my boy Vivi. <laughs> they're just not, not the best people. And uh, I even believe later on in the game, when you revisit Dolly, that you steal the mayor's key. And there's some sort of storyline where I think he did something to steal a bunch of money. And then you can basically steal the 30,000 gil back by going to Dolly and grabbing his key and opening up a thing where the chocobo is and getting it. It's one of those scenes where like, I kind of remember it. Because I did it like in an earlier playthrough, and then when I revisited it, I think I was like too far in the game. I was like, "Oh crap!" Because like I wanted to do it, and then I was like on disc four and not like disc three. I think when you're supposed to do it. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah, it's a very small window too. You basically have one moment that you can do it, and if you move on with the story at all, then you can't do it anymore. Yeah. I do remember doing it though, like yep. I, like when I was back in the day. Yeah, outside of the storyline elements, another cool thing that you can do in Lindblom was, was something I alluded to a little bit earlier was the the exploit to gain a lot of gill in the games that you basically I most people don't have a problem with gill throughout the game anyways, but this just makes the problem that much less of an issue than it already is. You basically can buy, uh, usually you should try to have enough money where you can buy 99 wrists, but the problem is with me when I was playing through it was I didn't have enough money because I didn't get the perfect crowd cheer or whatever uh, during the the sword dance because I believe I only got a 98 or something. I was really close to having it perfect, but if you get a 98, you only get about like 5,000 gil where I'm pretty sure if you get it perfect, you get like 10,000 or something which would have given me enough where you could buy the full set of 99 wrists. 
But yeah, you buy 99 Rifts, and then later on, you get to Lindblom and a couple other portions of the game. You buy steepled hats, get another set of 99 or as many as you can get, and then you go and you use the synth. Yep, you use the synth shop to make. I believe it's a silk cloak or a cotton robe or something like that, or a silk robe. And then you sell it and you gain 600 gil for each one that you make. So you can make like 100,000 gil at, within the first hour of your playthrough. It's like one of those things where it like doesn't really... I don't even think it's like an exploit, really. It's just like something that, like if you know about it... It's like something they would tell you, but if you know about it... Oh yeah, it makes the game so much easier. I had heard other people talk about Final Fantasy games uh, on a separate podcast, and I think this is something that they do intentionally because they weren't talking about Final Fantasy IX in specific like we were. They're talking about a different game, but they were talking about exploits in that game as well where you can kind of break the game and make it extremely easy. And I think they just do that intentionally. If you're going to take the time to actually figure out these little exploits, because it's not that easy to be like, Hey, if I buy 99 riffs here and then I buy 99 steepled hats in a completely separate town and then I synth them together for this specific item and then sell it, I gain a bunch of money. You would need to know the game pretty well to even try to do Consider something like that. Consider that, yeah. So they kind of do that pretty consistently in all the Final Fantasy games I mean, where there's ways to break it if you if you know what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, like, they show you, like, the prices and stuff, but you're not really, like, and you're looking at them, but you're not really, like, like, how many people are, like, doing the math, you know what I mean? Like, right. I think it's a nice thing to have in the game, because it doesn't tell you, but if it's something you know about, I think, um, I think that's just one of those, like, little things that makes this game so great. I think it's just all the Final Fantasies, it's like any little hidden thing, especially when you think about when the game was released well before there were internets and game guides and, and things. Well, game guides were out, I shouldn't say game guides, but well before the internet, a lot of times you would just be talking to your friend or other people that were playing the game, and then, you know, if somebody else is talking about that exploit and you're like, oh my gosh, tell me how to do it, and you're like figuring it out, like, it gets people talking about the game too which spreads awareness about it and it's just a different time period I, I just don't think you have many games doing things like that nowadays because it's not as necessary and it's almost pointless nowadays because the second there's any kind of exploit in a game it immediately is on the internet and everybody's abusing it which kind of ruins the whole point right of the exploit it's just making the game too easy where I think back in the day it wasn't as accessible where most people probably didn't know about this exploit, but the few that did were telling their friends and talking about it and taking the time to really figure it out. I, like, how many people would do this exploit, like, their first time playing through it without reading a guide? Like, no one. Yeah, there's no way you would really know unless... Someone told you about it. Or you would realize in hindsight or something if you made the item and then you were like, well, I actually Wait, you don't... you made money. I, don't, I really don't want this item and you sell it and then you look at your cash stack and you're like, wait, I think I just made 600 gold from that. But obviously it's in hindsight, so then you're going to have to f try to figure out a time to abuse it later on in the game. So even then, it, it's even not even that, that bad. 
yeah, I just thought that was a fun thing. I it makes the game kind of easy. I never had a money problem while playing through it because there's three or four different times that you can do this trick. Because I believe the only place in the entire game, from what I can tell, that you can buy wrists from is Dolly. So anytime that you're able to take a trip to Dolly, you just buy 99 wrists and then do the steepled hat trick again. Um. Yeah, I mean. The um, I mean, like you go to Dolly, like how many times do you go back there if you're just going to, like, just play the game? I think you have four total times that you can visit Dolly, from what I remember. That you can, but like, who's going to do that? I think you have two required times, and that's it. I do think you have to go back when you are just the party of Steiner and um, Gar Princess oh, Garnet. Yeah. You have one other time when you have to go back. I could, yeah, My memory might be a little hazy on it because I've just been... There's so much stuff going on in the game that like it's easy to forget exactly. But I'm pretty sure when you're Steiner and Garnet, you like revisit it really quickly, which you can buy another 99 wrist in that moment. And there's two other times where you have the choice. Maybe one other. Maybe there's a fifth time, but regardless. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, after you... Like, Dali has, like, a boss fight, right? Which is the second waltz. Correct, yep. The cutscene for this waltz is really cool, too. And I suppose maybe we can dive into the actual FMVs a little bit, because we've been talking about the general graphics, but I actually think the FMVs hold up really well, too, especially after you beat the Black Waltz number two, and you kind of get that whole chase sequence through the gate when you guys are running away from him and he's on that speeder bike or whatever you might want to call it it looks like a speeder bike but it's like a little airship um yeah I mean they touched them up on the steam version they look really good on the steam version yeah they look really great actually in the emulator too uh the emulator that I use also raises up the visuals on the FMV as best as it can from just the base rom i'm sure it looks even better on the pc version because i i'm sure they took the original not scrubbed down version of that fmv scene and actually like upscaled it for modern screens and stuff but yeah it's almost equivalent to the first toy story movie or something like that which people were oogling over oh, so it's yeah. really impressive stuff that that they're doing in in the scenes in this one in particular like the FMVs in this one are probably the best in the series too. Uh, I just remember you rewatched like the Aerith death scene in Final Fantasy VII, and I just remember the way people described it. They were like, "This is so shocking! It's so crazy when he comes down and stabs her." But you watch it, and the animation is so stiff that it almost makes me laugh. And it's supposed to be a like moving scene, but it just shows how far we've come in terms of animation, even within what was that a three years a three-year difference yeah so yeah to me the fmvs were also at their peak i don't think there's better fmvs on the entire playstation in that instance either especially the visual quality on them is really high really high too yeah i mean kind of makes me wish the fmvs were a little longer they're only like a minute long maybe even less so yeah most of them are extremely short but 
those CD-ROMs could barely hold like a hundred something megabytes, so it's pretty understandable. Sometimes I wonder how they even fit as much as they did on these Final Fantasy IX discs. To be honest, it feels like it should almost be a six-disc game. It's so there's so much stuff going on. Oh yeah, it'd be like what was that missed sequel like Riven, where there's like six discs, and like whenever you travel somewhere else, you have to put in another disc. That game's extremely long, to, but to be honest, it doesn't even feel like it has six discs worth of visuals in it. It just feels like there's a lot more visually going on with Final Fantasy IX, but I just think that they, like, Mist was made for computers, so I think they just kind of did a straight port without really optimizing anything, where Final Fantasy IX seems very optimized to be for the PlayStation, and that's why they got it all yeah, to fit yeah. so well. I mean, like, how many discs did seven and eight have like seven had three i think three or four the seven had three i think eight also had four as well and then metal gear solid had two there's a few but other games had multiple discs on them oh there were plenty i could go down a whole rabbit hole of games that were multi-disc but yeah, we shouldn't do that right now. But, um... <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty deep rabbit hole. There's, out of the whole library, I mean, we were talking about it on a podcast two weeks ago. There's uh, there's probably 10% of the library that are double disc, which is a lot. There's probably like 100 double disc games. That's kind of crazy. So yeah, um, when I f- back to uh, the story, when I first arrived in uh, Lindblom, like it's this huge city, the first big city you enter in the game. In retrospect, it's actually a lot smaller than I thought. Like, the FMVs do a re- Or not the FMVs. The uh, pre-renders do a really good job of, like, showing the scope of the city that you can't go in. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, Lindblom and- is huge, but it's also... They limit your mobility, like, how much you can actually travel around the city quite a bit. Yeah, and then obviously, like, later in the game, like, half the city gets destroyed, so you, there's even less city to go in now. Yeah, right. And I think that's a shame, because I think, like, I wish it was bigger, because, um, I feel like that'd be, like, really cool, like, traveling around, like, the city and stuff, but, um, maybe that, uh, um... The disk space. Yeah, I think it's just like the disk space. There just wasn't enough to make it bigger. I don't necessarily know if that was the reasoning why. I feel like personally for me, the first time I visited it on my very first playthrough, not this time around, that's about how far I got. I got a little bit further than that, and then I got stuck at a boss battle. But I was really, really lost on my first playthrough. It It is pretty big compared to a lot of the other sec- places in the game. But it was almost confusing because I couldn't tell what doorways I could go into because there's so many and I couldn't tell what places I was supposed to travel to because there's three different sections that you can use the train for. It's uh, it's more open-ended than I think you're giving it credit for, but I think that the limitation is more that try not to overwhelm the player because I was almost overwhelmed with how big it was already with all the different locations you could travel to and with all the buildings and houses that i didn't know if they were explorable or not um i guess you're right i mean the game doesn't it's not linear at all like you can just go wherever i mean there are obviously like a few points in the game when um you the story basically like locks you in a path but um 
yeah, there are many points in the game where you just go wherever, basically. It, obviously, like, depending on, like, how far you are in the story, but, um, like, when you get to Lindblom, you can, like, go to a lot of places. Like, you can go to, like, the marsh and find Quinna, and that's how you, like, get him in the party. But, like, it's one of those things where, like, you can actually, like, if you don't know about that, you can actually, like, go through parts of the game without him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't even know how you pronounce Quinna, but... I think it's just Quinna. But you do meet Freya before you have the chance to meet Quinna as well. Freya is probably... Like, either number one or number two in terms of, like, my favorite characters in the game. I feel like she has the most tragic story. I know Vilius oh, yeah. is very sad, but I feel sad for Vilius because he's so innocent. And he's kind of struggling in his own heart, but, like... What Freya has to go through in the story is on a whole nother level compared to oh, any yeah. of the other characters. Her character in the story. arc is really I think it's a really good one. Yeah, I would I would agree. She's probably My only complaint is that it's a little front loaded. Sure. And um It is, yeah. It's one of those things where like Um when I like play through it like again, I'm like, this is something that could really use a remake. Because in the in-game cutscenes, they're not really, like, moving around too much. And you obviously don't really see their faces too much. And this is, like, a point in the game where, like, looking at a facial expression would really make it better. You know what yeah, I mean? I think what makes it even worse is that Freya's, like, a rat person or a mouse person, whatever you want to say. Where making the facial expressions for a character when their face is... Not the a face human. Of yeah, when it's the face of an animal, is it could all be more harder, difficult. I mean, also, I think, like, her hat and, like, her hair, like, cover, like, most of her face, too, so that could, like... Yeah, and like I said, I think that's very intentional just because of th her general design just being yeah, yeah. the race that she is in the in the story, I think I mean, that... there's, like, some characters where you can, like, see their face perfectly fine, like... Steiner, Steiner yeah. You know, Garnet, Zidane, and stuff like that, but... um. Yeah, like with Freya, you can like barely see her face. Yeah, I, I think Amaranth is another one. Yeah, Amaranth, I think he's just supposed to be a mysterious dude <laughs> or something. But we'll get onto that when you actually meet him much later in the game. But, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Whenever how... Freya was available, I basically used her in the party. I didn't think that she was that powerful, but maybe I was using her. Well, I don't think I was using her wrong because I was just get kite the whole time. But she seemed pretty average, but. The first time you meet her and you actually do the game hunt, who did you have win the the hunt? Um, I know you're supposed to have Freya do it, but right. I think in my last playthrough, I like didn't care that much, so I just had Zidane win it. I think the way, like the most common way to do it, is to just kill Zidane with Freya and then just win the hunt with her, <laughs> which I think is funny. Yeah, the way I did it was I just stood there for ten minutes, and then when there's four minutes or two minutes left no actually it's four on the dot so you wait until there's four minutes left and you get on the train and you go to um where the hideout is or whatever you you want to call it like where Zidane kind of grew up yeah yeah and then you fight that beast and then basically you just sit there and steal with Zidane the whole time to get a pretty good item and then you just have Freya get the last hit yeah and that's yeah. it 
And then you're almost guaranteed because of the amount of points that that beast gives you. I think it gives you like 40 points or something crazy like that. Where Freya is almost guaranteed to win. It's almost a 90% chance. There is a chance that she still doesn't win, which is really stupid. But it's almost guaranteed when you do it that way, which is what I did. But yeah, the color ring that you get is actually pretty good. It's not necessary, but it teaches some pretty good stuff. So I decided to take the time to actually do it. I mean, either way, it takes 10 minutes to get through that segment regardless. So... Yeah, I mean, there's a timer on it, so. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think it's kind of crazy that they uh, unleash a bunch of monsters into the city. Imagine that. It's literally like, um, what's that movie called? The um, the Purge? Yeah, The Purge with animals or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's kind of nuts yeah it was a weird concept because the town doesn't or the city doesn't really seem like the kind of city where that's a, i don't know it just seems more uptight like why would that be a tradition but whatever i guess if it moves the story along <laughs> what happens after that in the story the uh, king i really like the king here too i think his name's sid yeah the sid the ninth because there's nine in, games when he's yeah and he's an ooglop man i, think I forget that, for cheating on your wife wasn't still, that the story? Yeah, still like him though, you know. <laughs> but he um, turns into a frog later on. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, eventually, I think you get a pretty long cutscene with him, and then you like move on so that you can go and help Freya with yeah. her homeland because they're getting attacked. Does she and go to Bermessia first, or was it Clara? I don't remember. I think I it was it's Bermessia. Bermessia. Yeah. I do like the atmosphere of Bermessia, where it's, like, always raining, everything's gloomy and blue. Yeah. Um, almost everyone is gone, like, they've been killed off by Bronte's forces. Um, this is a really good part in the game for me, I liked it a lot. Um, there was a meme in the game where you can find cancer, which I thought was funny. I don't know what it does, but you just find it. I don't think I found it. It's like... Oh, no. Oh, you don't know what it does? No. So, oh, man, I'm remember. I'm trying to remember the town name. It's really funny that you actually don't know what that does because I abused it because you can get a really good item from collecting all of them. But you basically have these rocks that you can collect that I think are all related to different... Uh, what is it? I'm actually forgetting what they're called. Because I'm an Aquarius. You can collect... What are they called? Uh... Anyways, regardless, you basically collect like a bunch of different astro... Like, what... Ast astronomy symbols? I don't know. I... <laughs> That's, that's like what I'm brain is, farting but... so far, so hard. But anyways, yeah, so that cancer you... What town is it called? Is it Trino? Yeah. Yeah, I believe oh, it's and you, Trino. Yeah, it's Trino, and then you um go to that one person with all the cages and stuff. Yes, and yeah, you turn it in, and then you get items for it. And you can get some pretty sick stuff if you take the time to find yeah, and collect yeah. all of them. So, I did a couple of them, but I didn't do all of them. Yeah, eventually I got like a blood sword pretty early on in the game, which was pretty sick to have on Steiner. Every time he hits, he's just healing for full HP because <laughs> I got it so early. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it's as helpful later on in the game. Maybe it's still good, but I never really ended up using it after that like little bit. But there's other really good stuff you can get from there too. But 
Yeah. Anyways, so <laughs> just to backtrack a little bit on your journey from Lim- Lindblom to Bermesia's when you have the opportunity to pick up Kina or Quina. I don't know how you pronounce it's her Quina, name. Quina, I think. Quina. And I made the choice to pick her up. The guy told me to do it, so I did. Did you not make the choice to grab her at this junction? Um, probably. I'm pretty sure I like picked her up because I know about it now. I probably knew about it then. Because yeah, like it's... when I was younger, I had the patience to like explore around. So I probably discovered it at one point. Right. Yeah, this is why I got stuck on my first playthroughs because I didn't pick her up. And there's a boss battle later on where it's really nice to have her in the Quina. party. Yeah, for her. Well, he, um, her. Quina is her. probably my most neglected character. I know she can be potentially the most powerful character in the game because you can pretty much learn every spell in the game with Quina, I think. But, um, and I know like eating like the way to do it is to like get them low kind of like in pokemon before you eat it but i don't really have the patience for it and obviously you can't see the hp you'd have to like know about it and um yeah Yeah, i it's just really hard to like get them low enough without killing it and then it is yeah the guide gave me the health bars of all, or the HP values of all the enemies when you run into them, so I was able to play around the HP levels pretty well because Vivi and even Freya at the time, for me at least, weren't don't hit very high. So I was just able to kind of whittle them down with Vivi and Freya to the point where it was pretty easy to get a lot of the moves that I needed to get early on in the game with Quina, Kina, Quina. How do you pronounce it again? Quina. <laughs> Quina. There you go. Yeah. So with Quina, I took the time to actually learn as many abilities as I could. I even went back through Lindblom and went through the initial entrance gate that you go through to go back to the field. Um, kind of there behind the castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's different kinds of enemies where you can collect more moves from so i did the full shebang with quinna early on i still don't think she's that 